The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. It is a true emergency. Quick, run. It's like you with avocados, but I can't peel fruit. We're in. (laughs) (laughs) We're in. We're in. Welcome back. Welcome back to Mystery Team Inc. I'm Maggie. I'm Kayla. We got really good feedback on our 20th episode. Thank you to everyone that listened to it. Why are you looking at me like that? I can't hear anything. Oh. Are my parental volume controls on? (laughs) Probably. By the way. (laughs) Hold on. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. Um, We do want to give a shout out because we got the best review ever on iTunes. Oh my God. I may have shed one single Denzel tear. (laughs) (laughs) We want to shout out Leah, the archaeologist, who wrote us a really, really good review. She actually wrote it back in January, and we somehow didn't see it. Um, But it was great. So thank you, Leah. We're going to crack a beer with you. Yeah, but only with you. (laughs) Only with Leah. (laughs) Um, Thanks Um, to everyone who listened this week. We're at, like, record numbers. It's pretty cool. Yeah, we're excited. And also, Leah brought up something that we haven't been saying, which is... If you're not drinking along, you should be. You should be. It's like a it's a drink along podcast. <laughs> we should do a drinking game. That's a great idea. Should we make up? Do you want to do that now? Yeah. Anytime you say something and I don't know how to respond, so I go great. <laughs> That's a sip. Maybe this is not something that I'm prepared to do. Okay. What I don't know what our rules would be. Great. How about anytime one of us takes it back to a more famous conspiracy theory? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, anytime there's no police work involved. Yes, definitely. Mine doesn't... Yeah, mine has no police work involved whatsoever. <laughs> anytime the cops, like, just don't do their job. Hmm. We're gonna have we to can go. come up with rules along the way. Yeah, great. Um, so, yeah, thanks again to everyone who's been listening, and thanks for tuning in now. And let's do a ceremonial cracking of the beers. We uh, should drink every time we ceremonially crack the beer. We do. <laughs> I know. That's what I was doing. That was the joke. Oh. Um, and if you want to get a shout out and have a beer ceremonially cracked in your honor, you should leave like us a Leah. cute review. Like Leah did. Okay. Do we have any other business? No. That's it. Uh, reminder that you can... Um, if you screenshot a rate and review, we'll send you a fuckle the buck up t-shirt. Yeah, we will. Uh, which are great. That's all I have. Okay, well, you're going first, aren't you? Yeah, mine is short and sweet and a little goofy and not that serious. Let's do it. Okay, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just going to start. Great. Okay. 
drink. <laughs> August 8th, 1996. I'm there. <laughs> That's my line. <laughs> Nova Scotia. Ooh, I'm not there. <laughs> the Titanic crew, film crew, was oh. on their list. Oh. <laughs> I was like... I wrote the Titanic crew and never thought that maybe... <laughs> You would think it's the ship. The actual crew of the Titanic. I was like, what were they rising from their watery <laughs> graves? Uh, the Titanic film crew was on their last night of shooting before they moved down to Mexico, where that giant ship was being built on an mm-hmm. outdoor sta- soundstage in Baja. They broke for lunch around midnight because working on a set is a nightmare. Right. And they had catering, obviously. And, one and they're the, in Nova Scotia, so there's no light anyway. It's like yeah, dark here. It just doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, they, one of the things I was offered was some type of chowder. Uh-oh. Part one of this mystery is <laughs> what, kind, what of kind of chowder was it? <laughs> this sounds like Fire Festival. <laughs> it's a little bit like Fire Festival. <laughs> James Cameron says it was muscle chowder. Not okay. like muscle, like in your body. Like oysters. Like muscles. Uh, Bill Paxton says it was lobster. Everyone else is like, that's not the point of the story. Okay. Great. So, recently, I think this year, no. Interest resurfaced on what kind of chowder it was. I just did the math. 2016, yes, was the 20th anniversary Mm -hmm. of Titanic. And they interviewed one of the set painters about this incident. (laughs) On Vice. I love it. She said, quote, the chowder was unbelievable. People were going back for second bowls. <laughs> I thought about going back because it was so good. And I think that was part of the problem. People ate a lot more than usual because it was so delicious. Mm-mm. She says, by the time we got back from eating, after about 30 minutes, that's when I started noticing something was wrong. Everyone seemed confused. Everyone was having trouble getting their work done. I needed some stuff upstairs as well as some other equipment down in another area. And I remember just walking around trying to figure out the best way to get my supplies. Things just seemed fuzzy. James Cameron initially thought that the shellfish might have contained a paralytic shellfish neurotoxin, Mm -mm. which is really dangerous. So he ran off set and made himself throw up. Yeah. He says, I get back to the set and nobody's there. I'm standing at the monitors near the camera and the room is empty. It was like the Twilight Zone. Oh my god, that's so creepy. Bill Paxton says, The crew was all milling about. Some people were laughing. Some people were crying. Some people were throwing up. One minute I felt okay. The next minute I felt so goddamn anxious I wanted to breathe in a paper bag. Cameron was feeling the same way. James had one eye completely red like the Terminator's (laughs) eyes. No pupil, no iris, just red, and the other eye looked like he'd been sniffing glue since the age of four. Age of four. <laughs> the set painter, Marilyn, said, there were people who were okay, who hadn't gotten any effects yet, and then there were people who were getting high. And there were these two lines apart from each other with some people in the good line slowly trickling into the bad line. And it was about that point that people realized that everyone who had eaten the chowder was experiencing the effects of some sort of hallucinogen. This is incredible. I know. Also, I don't eat seafood, so I feel very safe in this mystery. It's not because... You'll see. You're not safe. Spoiler! So, the crew vans took all 80 people to Dartmouth General Hospital. Smart. Eventually, God, they... That's, such an, that's an AD's nightmare. They're <laughs> yeah. like, safety meeting. <laughs> Careful with the chowder. <laughs> it's a little LSD. 
So eventually, Marilyn says, eventually we all got put in these cubicles with the curtains around us, but no one wanted to stay in their cubicles. Everyone was out in the aisles and jumping into other people's cubicles. People had a lot of energy. Some were in wheelchairs flying down the hallways. James Cameron got stabbed in the face with a pen by one of the crew members and just sat there laughing and bleeding. Wait. (laughs) How come I've never heard about this? I don't know, but I have neither and it's the best. Um... James Cameron says, people are moaning and crying, wailing, collapsed on tables and gurneys. The DP was leading a number of the crew down the hall in a highly vocal conga conga line. (laughs) The hospital made everyone drink liquid charcoal. And then the toxicology reports came back later that day and they found out that they had all been roofied with PCP. Are you fucking kidding me? And they do not know who did it. That's like, was it the chowder though? Yes, someone put PCP into the That's chowder. That's what I'm saying. I would have been safe because I wouldn't have eaten oh, the chowder. I thought you. I thought you were saying because it's was the shellfish. No, it's just oh you no, wouldn't have yeah. eaten it anyway. Right. Yeah. Uh, so James Cameron says that they had had to fire a crew member for quote creating trouble with the caterers the day before, and that maybe it was that person getting back at the caterers. Oh, that makes sense. And the catering company released an official statement. And they were like, it wasn't the crew. It was, quote, the Hollywood types bringing in the psychedelics. That's hilarious because that is something that, like, a Nova Scotia caterer would say. Mm-hmm. And I believe the that. The Hollywood types. It totally tracks. I mean, that's not what we're bringing a set, but sure. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> not all the time. Um, <laughs> they were rapping that day. What I'm saying is that I, it, it, it does seem like that's a very, like, Hollywood way to get back at a film crew, at the rest of the crew. Mm-hmm. To roofie them with PCP yeah. while they were shooting and in also, the middle of the night. who bonus? Who bonus? Yeah. All of them. They all had a blast. No. Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, like, why would the caterer, there's no reason. It would, it would have been a totally random act of violence. <laughs> you know it what I mean? It was an act of violence. You know? Yeah. I mean, it must have been that guy. But then it, they also, some people think it was the caterer. Getting back at the crew for, like, for that guy being an asshole. Oh, that doesn't really make any sense, but people have done less sensical things. Especially on set. Yeah. Um, I have a question. You were, like, telling, talking about how uh, James Cameron, like, came back to set and everyone was gone. <laughs> Where were they? Outside. Oh, they were all just outside, like, they throwing were, up and getting They in were bands. outside in those lines oh. that Marilyn described. Why did they get in, into lines? Well, it was, like, the okay people and the not okay people. Right, but why did they divide themselves up? Commisery, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I know, but how I love, and also because when I was researching this, I read a lot of like clickbait articles about how crazy the set of the Titanic was, and the idea. More facts. More facts. Uh, do you want to hear some? Yeah. Um, apparently, they one of the things that everyone on the internet thinks is so crazy is that they had all these like hot tubs on set. And they would, like, jump from the water inset into these hot tubs. Right. And then they would be, like, eating crafty in the hot tubs in their full costume. So then, like, jump out and go. And I, That's I was great. like, that makes sense. I love that. I love that. Uh, a lot of people got hurt. Um, they would have, there was this, one of the scenes, when they were sinking the ship, they would have to, like, do a take and then unsink the ship. That's so cool. And it was, like, so much water and, like, everyone was dying and... Kate Winslet wouldn't, like, wear protective, like, a wetsuit underneath her clothes, so she got pneumonia. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, What else did they do? Um, There's a fun article with Billy Zane talking about 
shooting that movie and how it was just like a fucking nightmare. And James C- Cameron was apparently like really intense and made everyone really unhappy. Oh yeah, and, he yeah, we knew that. Yeah. So I just love the idea of this like meanie pants director <laughs> asking for two hundred million dollars to make a movie about a boat. <laughs> and then he gets to set and no one's there. And they're all high out of their minds. <laughs> and then he gets stabbed in the face. <laughs> but I think... <clears throat> I think the shooting in Nova Scotia was less intense than in Mexico, obviously. Because it was all the stuff that wasn't on the... I think the ship itself cost upwards of $20 million to build. Or what did they crazy. shoot in Nova Scotia on the soundstage? Was it like the interior stuff? It was everything that wasn't the ship. Oh. So Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet mm-hmm. were not there. Oh. It was just Bill Paxton and right. uh, the other, I think like maybe one other lead. And then everyone went to Mexico and had a nightmare time. That's amazing. And they had the parts where like people were, where the ship was like, uh, like vertical. Mm-hmm. The, they really just like dropped stunt people down the side of it. Down a ship. And they just, like, hit shit and, like, people broke ribs and, like, Kate Winslet chipped an elbow and they're, like, everyone was getting hurt all the time because he would just, like, drop people off the top of a ship. That's a nightmare. On this soundstage in Baja. And then they, it won all those awards. And then it made so much money. That's, I mean, that's one of those things where it's, like, a and nightmare. And it was on two VHS tapes. Oh, yeah. Those were the days. Oops, sorry. I think it's, like... I kind of one day want to shoot a movie where it's a little bit of a nightmare, just because it's, like, fun stories afterward. But it can't, it can't have been fun at the time. And they were so young. This summer. <laughs> Maggie and Kayla jump off boats, <laughs> see who gets hurt. They thought it would be fun <laughs> to tell stories about after. But they didn't live to tell those stories. Whoa. <laughs> uh-huh. I was trying to think of... That was such a I scary sound you just made when you plotted our deaths. I was trying to think of a way for us to not be able to tell the story. <laughs> well, you know what this means. I'm going to have to buy a boat. No, we're playing Monopoly right now. Supermarket Shout Monopoly. Out. And we are two, two squares away from winning... Our choice, $100,000 or a, a boat. boat. <laughs> Money to make our series or a boat. But they won't, they, it doesn't say what kind of boat. So I think Maggie's going to go behind my back and pick <laughs> boat. And then they were going to deliver, deliver a, like a canoe. But no trailer. Like they'll just drop the canoe off and yeah. we'll have to go get a trailer Drive it to a fucking lake and then canoe around and I'll just be grumpy in the canoe. That's our summer movie. That's our summer blockbuster. <laughs> this summer, they could have had cash. But, <laughs> but she picked a boat record scratch. <laughs> <laughs> and then it cuts to you in the middle of a lake like, bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> yep, that's me. <laughs> I'm in like the, those like Ray-Bans and I'm like sitting in the boat and I'm also like in a tuxedo for some reason yeah, or some like crazy. Ferris Bueller Ray-Bans. Yes. And then like not clothes that are appropriate for being on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an amazing mystery. That's the short but sweet mystery of how the crew of the Titanic got roofied with PCP in Nova Scotia. When you opened with 
in in Nova Scotia, the crew of the Titanic. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, what? It's nineteen ninety six. The real mystery is the fact that they were all local hires, so it was actually the, just the dead crew of the Titanic. <sighs> What's what? the day rate for that? <laughs> they got a ghost bump. Yeah. <laughs> An undead bump. An undead bump, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a tr- travel stipend. <laughs> like, if you have to come back through space time. <laughs> if you have to, like, go you through to a different over. dimension. <laughs> All right. Did you guys make sure that they put the crossing over through the ether bump on your... <laughs> On your paperwork, <laughs> the extras, the background, all the undead background, <laughs> are like we get a we're gonna get a meal penalty. I think on this I one, I think we're gonna. <laughs> but also make sure that they write down your undead, <laughs> your undead bump, wardrobe meal penalty. I was, so I brought this costume, and I also brought these eight other costumes. But I'm undead, so I'm permanently cursed to wear the outfit I was wearing when I died. And never, nothing goes on my body because I'm not solid. So Do I was I just wondering if bump? I get a wardrobe bump for that. And the PA's like, you only get a wardrobe bump if we put you in two or more of your outfits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how many of you are undead background with cars? <laughs> <laughs> I love background actors with cars. Especially because the show I was working on was 90s. And it was set at a school, so we had to have, like, shitty 90s mm-hmm. cars. And it was all these people who, like, really cared about their, like, 1994 Civic. Yes. And they'd come up and be like, where can I leave this? You know what? And I'd be like, <laughs> literally anywhere. You're like, yeah, just put that locking mechanism <laughs> on the steering wheel and leave no, it. Leave it unlocked with the doors open. <laughs> It'll still be there when you come back. Um, Civics, by the way, they really did... Those 90s Civics, like... I know multiple people that still... Mm-hmm. Civics and Corollas yeah. is a, a big one. Yeah. And then there's always one person who comes to set with, like, a really nice, like, old, like, Porsche, and we're like, what are you doing? <laughs> who called this person in? Yeah. This is a school. Yeah. Anyway. Shall we... Do you want to just press on forward? Or do you yeah. want to take a break? Oh, okay. Great. How long was that? 18 minutes. Oh. Well, do you, do you want to press forward and take a break in the middle of your story, or do you want to take a break now, um, or you want to just go all the way through it and not even have a break? We've never done that before. It would still be shorter than our other episodes. I know. Let's take a break. Okay. Okay, we'll be right back. Hooray. Yes. What should we do later? I don't know. It's only 784. <laughs> that can't be right. 54. We're back. We're back. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to do a mystery. I'm excited. But I'm not going to tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. So, the Culper Ring. I'm there. Was aspiring... Organized by American Major Benjamin Talmadge under orders from General George Washington in the summer of 1778. One of our drinking rules should be finish your drink if Maggie does something that has spies in it. (laughs) Or history. (laughs) 
Um, I'm sorry, say that again. I'm already lost. Okay. It's the summer of 1778. I'm there. George Washington and all of his friends are, like, just kicking it. Rapping. Trying to have a good time. Um, the British are occupying New York. And so they started a super secret spy ring called the Culper Ring. Culpa? Culper. C-U-L-P-E-R? Yeah. It, it was a uh, play on words suggested by George Washington. Not a play on words, but it's a play on Culpeper, Virginia, that George Washington suggested be the name. <laughs> Nerd alert! Um, so, it's the height of the American Revolutionary War. Um, the two main members of the ring were Abraham Woodhull and Robert Townsend. <laughs> what? Woodhull. Woodhull. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we should drink whenever someone has a really dumb name. Yeah. Um, their aliases were Samuel Culper Sr. and Samuel Culper Jr., uh, respectively. Talmadge was referred to by the alias John Bolton. So they didn't pick cool names, they just picked other names. Yeah. That's like if I was like, my alias is Daphne Williams. That's kind of a cool name. Yeah. (laughs) You see V level one, pulled that shit out of my ass. Um, no, this would be like if you were like... Kelly Scott. (laughs) (laughs) That's bad. Um, So the Culper Ring was so secretive that George Washington didn't even know who the agents were. Um, Among But he started it. Well, he didn't really start it. Uh, American Major Benjamin Talmadge started it, but it was General George Washington's order. Okay. So he was like, go make a secret spy ring. And he was like, okay, but you don't get to know who it is. He was like, don't tell me. He didn't want to know. Smart. Um, he should be president. <laughs> Did you see that thing that about how Trump went to, uh, yeah. Okay. And he was like, why is it called Mount Vernon? Yeah. He was like, he should have put his name on it. And they were like, well, to be fair, <laughs> he didn't name the capital after himself. <laughs> and, and a state. Yeah. He got two. Yeah. Um, among the techniques that the ring used to relay information were coded messages published in newspapers <gasps> and invisible ink. Mm. Called Sympathetic Stain, which is also the name of my grunge rock band. Uh-huh, I was going to say it's the name of my sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they would write between the lines of what appeared to be typical letters, like normal letters. They would like write. Let's do that. In invisible ink, in between the lines. Um, in the first months of the ring's operations, they were forced to rely on crude tactics to conceal their information before a complex web of codes and invisible ink were accessible. So they relied on a small number of codes for memory. Yeah, wait, how did they make invisible ink back then? Uh, I think it's just like lemon juice and water or some shit. Like, uh, on the back of the Declaration of Independence? Exactly. Okay. By the way, we're not even to the protagonist of the story yet. What's their name? Just wait. Um, also, cameo, Hercules Mulligan... <laughs> Was part of the Culper Ring. A tailor spying on the British government. Uh-huh. Now we come to the hero of our story. Agent 355. Oh, that's cool as shit. Agent 355 was the code name of a female spy <gasps> during the American Revolution. I'm gonna cry. She was part of the Culper Ring. She was one of the first spies for the United States. Her real identity is still unknown to this day. No, that's so cool. The number 355 could be decrypted from the system that the Culper Ring used, and it means lady. Fuck, I want 355 agent tattooed lady. on me. Agent lady. Can we get lady. 355 agent. tattooed? We probably should. Just you don't want that on a shirt? You just want it on a... Yeah. I, I want it on a... Sh- well, listen. 
uh, your cat's putting her face in a bag of chips. Great. She's making mischief. Yeah. Um, I do want it on a shirt, but also mostly on my skin. Yeah. Forever. So we know that she existed because Abraham Woodhull, <laughs> Woodhull wrote a letter to George Washington referring to her as 355 and saying that she was one who hath been ever serviceable to this correspondence and could outwit them all. Yeah, bitch. We also know that her intelligence was always spot on. Um, the way the code is constructed indicates that she may have had some degree of social prominence. <gasps> when British leaders were in New York, information funneled to Washington um, fast and furious. And when they left town, the information slowed to a trickle. So scholars speculate that 355 was a well-bred lady from New York society, the member of a loyalist family. That's... Insane. Such a position would have certainly given her access to officers and their attentions. Um, this article that I did a lot of this research from said, how easy to simply ignore boring talk of troop movements <laughs> and then just like bat her eyelashes and then turn like, around and <laughs> send a letter to George Washington about where the fucking British were going to be. This is a little bit my dream. I know. They said it would have made her invisible, the last possible suspect of espionage. She was like mingling with high, high ranking British officers. in the revolution. Yeah. She's, she's like, was like mingling with high ranking British officers and they were just like chatting and she was just like God, taking notes. Um, and this is interesting. I, I made a note to talk about this cause I have on my like postcards that I got when I was in England, you can't see it really, but, um, there was this world war two propaganda and the, one of the sayings was, um, keep mum. She's not so dumb because you know, oh. like loose sink, loose lips sink ships. Yeah. Like. Because Where's British that? officers, oh, is that the one that it's that uh, orange one. We should put a picture of that up. I'll, I'm going to post great. on the Instagram um, yeah. because because uh, the British in World War Two like were frequently like apparently getting in trouble because they were just like spilling information to women, and mm. the government had to be like, "Hey, hey. guys, <laughs> she's not a fucking idiot." <laughs> um, Agent three five five is thought to have played a major role in exposing Benedict Arnold. Fuck. I love her. I do too. So, Robert Townsend was the head of the Culper Spy Network, and rumors have persisted for almost 300 years that 355 was his common-law wife. Agent 355 was arrested in 1780 when Benedict Arnold went to the Loyalists. She was incarcerated on the prison ship HMS Jersey in 1780. Um, then... Hold on. Prison ship, as in, like, they just built ships and kept people on them as prisons? They were, pr so, because a lot of the battles were naval battles. Ah. So the British would, like, fire on the troops that in the harbor, and they would take prisoners. So they had battleships that had that were prison ships. God. Um, kind of like in Scientology. Exactly. This part is uh, a little fuzzy in terms of whether or not um, it's corroborated evidence, but... They believe that there was a woman who gave birth to a son who she uh, on a, on one of the prison ships, who uh, she supposedly named Robert Townsend Jr. Most academics debunk this story as legend, but here is a tantalizing piece of information. I clearly didn't write that. Um, <laughs> Robert Townsend Jr., who was a son of James Townsend, who was the brother of Robert Townsend, became a lawyer and went into politics. Strangely, one of his pet projects was the Prison Ship Martyrs Memorial Fund, which eventually became the Prison Ship Martyrs Monument at Fort Greene Park in New York. This monument, nearly 150 feet tall, commemorates the men and women who lost their lives aboard these horrible prison ships. So that, I mean, it, there's a good chance that she was arrested, incarcerated on a prison ship, mm -hmm. gave birth, 
to a son named him Robert Townsend Jr. And she, they think she, I mean, she obviously, she died. Um, another theory was that Anna Smith Strong uh, was Agent 355. She was a spy based in Setauket, Long Island, New York. Um, so this is so cool. There were six coves along the shore of Long Island, and they were designated as dead drop locations for intelligence. It was her job to signal a fellow spy, Caleb Brewster, that information had been dead dropped and was ready for him to pick up. So she developed an ingenious, almost foolproof signal device to message Brewster. She simply hung her laundry out to dry in plain sight of the British soldiers. She would hang a black petticoat on the clothesline along with a number of handkerchiefs. The black petticoat signaled that the message was ready to be picked up, and then the number of handkerchiefs would relay which cove they were in. <gasps> That's... I got chills. Each Like, yeah, the handkerchiefs corresponded. So, like, she'd put up three for one cove and, like, four for the next one. Oh, my God, that is so cool. The messaging system was never broken throughout the entire revolution, and no one in the Culpa ring was ever caught. That's so cool. Um, so, yeah, I guess Agent 355 wasn't incarcerated because she was a spy. She just was taken prisoner. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as a woman, Anna Smith-Strong uh, was severely underestimated. And she, no. she yeah, and right? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Um, and no one suspected that she was doing anything out of the ordinary because she was just doing her laundry. God, that's so fucking cool. Um, I would just like to take this moment to point out that Agent 355 was such a good fucking spy that we still don't know who she is. To this day. It's we so know who cool. all the dudes were, and we still don't know who she was. Um, well, all the dudes were like, I'm John <laughs> And I was a spy. Talmadge realized the significance of creating a code book to increase their vocabulary. By July of 1779, he had completed pocket dictionaries with lists of verbs, nouns, people, and places with their corresponding code number. These dictionaries were given to General George Washington, Woodhull, Townsend, and Talmadge himself to ensure that it didn't get into enemy hands. Can we find that dictionary and start using that code? Yeah, how do we find that? I don't know, but I'm sure that there's like a... I'm sure that like the American Library of whatever has it. it. Okay, wait. Culper Society? Uh, Culper Ring. Culper Ring. Like, look up like Cypher code book. Culper Ring code book. I mean, here's there's pictures. Was the Culper's firing successful? Uh, were they? Yeah. That's why... Well, here, I'll, I'll tell you. The general public was unaware of the ring's existence until the 1930s. Yeah, so yeah, I'm going to go with a hard yeah. Robert Townsend's identity as Culper Jr. was discovered in 1929 with the examination of old letters written by Townsend in the Townsend family home. Historian Morton Pennypacker, drink, nope, (laughs) reviewed the letters and noticed that the handwriting in the letters from the trunk, written by Robert Townsend, were similar to writing in letters written by Samuel Culper Culper Jr. in, in George Washington's collection. Other evidence later corroborated Townsend's identity. James Rivington was confirmed by scholars to be a member of the ring only in the 1950s. God, um, that's crazy that it took until the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And then we still don't know who Agent 355 is. I have the only extant portrait of Robert Townsend, and it's not a portrait. It's like a like a an ink sketch that someone like did oh, on a napkin. If you turn around and show me that leprechaun picture, I'm going to kill you. Oh. <laughs> So every white man in the yeah, <laughs> it looks like a New Yorker drawing. Yeah, this is a, I found a picture of the um, yeah, perfect. It's let's so let's cool. memorize it. Um, five four six is seldom. Ooh, five four five is secret. 
Okay, so this is the last piece. Um, because this is a short mystery, I wanted to tell the story of one more female spy yep, from the Revolution. Please, please. Inject it into my vein. For the British. Oh. Anne Bates was a teacher in Philadelphia. She was married to a British soldier, and she was introduced to Major Duncan Drummond early in the war. Drummond decided to use her as a spy. During the summer of 1778, she disguised herself as a peddler named Mrs. Barnes, and she then infiltrated Washington's camp at White Plains, New York, on three separate occasions, where she sold wares to the men and women camped there. She was instructed to meet a disloyal American soldier named Chambers, but was unable to locate him because he had died a few weeks earlier. So instead, she obtained numbers of soldiers, guns, cannon, and other supplies, along with local locations of munitions, stockpiles, and officers' quarters. She successfully brought back all the information to Drummond in Philadelphia, who later stated that her information was by far superior to every other intelligence. That's so fucking genius. Because of Bates' information, General Henry Clinton decided to send more troops into Rhode Island and forced Patriot forces to flee. She just wow. dressed up as a as a beggar, as like a peddler, and God. just like literally infiltrated Washington. Keep underestimating camp. women, so we can just take you all down. It's so good, isn't that so it's good? So That's good. That's the end. We don't know who she is. We still don't know who she I'm is. I'm in to this love day. with her. I have isn't a bigger amazing? crush on her than I do on DB Cooper. Whoa, that's saying something. Someone eclipsed. She Cooper. deserves it. She yeah. She's a badass. She's awesome. I love her. So I that's Agent Three Five Five. Let's get Three Five Five tattoos, okay. and I want it in the uh, fucking handwriting from this yeah let's get it in like george washington's handwriting yeah look we could probably pull it yeah let's do it i'm so into it just a little one three five five three five five (laughs) so those are our fun mysteries episode 21 light-hearted episode 21 i hope you enjoyed it thank you for listening um definitely follow us on all the things Mm -hmm. um Shoot us an email. Uh, if you rate and review, take a screenshot, send it, DM it to us or email us, and then we will send you a free shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, Leah. Yeah. Hit us up. Hit us up. We'll, we'll send, send you a you shirt. A shirt. Um, we'll send you a shirt and like 20 bucks for beer. We can send you, um, who's the woman that left the review that she and her 10-year-old love it? We'll send them shirts. Yeah. Not beer, though. <laughs> no. Yeah. One beer you, for her. Yeah. Not for the kids. If you already reviewed... Uh, get in contact and we'll definitely send you a shirt. Yeah. Um, and yeah, thanks to everyone who's been listening and we'll be back next week. Yeah. With more. With more unknown Mysteries. Yay. Um, fuck with a buck up. Stay in your lane. We don't know. Smooches. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's that not the ending. That can't be a new one. No. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, smooches cannot be your... Actually, smooches might have to be your sign-off from now on. Damn it. No. You, you committed. This is no. your fault. Okay, fine. Ready? Mm-hmm. Smooches. We didn't do the whole... Oh, you want to do all yeah. of them? Okay, okay. Sorry. Go back. Buckle the buck up. Stay in your lane. We don't know. Smooches. <laughs> if you it. don't do it every episode, I will just sample that and put it no. at the end of every episode. So you have to do it now. Mm. Goodbye. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.